You're listening to Daily Notes, presented by Home Sideways. On this episode of Daily Notes, we're turning to 1997. We talk about two films that are going to be first-time watches, and we also jump into a film sequel that is pretty iconic. Have you heard about this videotape that kills you when you watch it? Goob and me don't do castle rock. Sometimes an insect will evolve to mimic its predator. Always check your candy. Here, here. Groovy. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Almost Sideways Movie Podcast. My name is Adam and these are my daily horror notes. Where we talk about all things horror for the month of October. Really excited to dive back into the horror genre once again. This is week three. We're going to 1997 this time, and we have a couple first-time watches here, two of those to be exact. We're going to go to a Guillermo del Toro film called Mimic. I vaguely recall this movie back in the day, uh, but I didn't know del Toro directed it, so I was like, when I was researching, I was like, yep, got to pick that one. There's another film called Wishmaster. Now, if you haven't heard about that film, it's, I don't blame you. This is something I have seen, um, at least I've heard of before. And it's a completely B, kind of cheesiest movie. Um, I actually found, uh, I've heard of this movie from a YouTuber, uh, Decker Shadow. I'll, maybe I'll drop the link to his review down in the description box of the show notes here. Make sure you try to give that a listen. It's pretty cool. A big headliner uh, review today is going to be Scream 2. One of my favorite franchises in all of horror is the Scream franchise. So going back into this world once again, celebrating the anniversary of Scream 2, it had to be done. I also reviewed Scream, the first one from 1996, last year with a friend of the podcast, uh, Carnage Candy. Make sure you guys check the review out there down in the show notes. I think you also it's just a good lesson to go back to. But anyway, Scream 2 will be talked about today. I'm really excited to dive into this episode because I think, give you a little spoiler here, Unlike last week, where I was kind of negative on a, a film, I really liked all three of these movies, regardless of rating. I really had fun. I can see myself rewatching them again. Uh, they're, they're entertaining films. But anyway, before we get started, make sure you guys check the show notes once more to make sure you can find out where all these films are streaming. Some of them aren't streaming, uh, mind you, so you may have to rent them. They're not expensive rents, but just take a look. Take a look down below. Make sure you guys are watching some scary movies along with me. And now it is time to jump into our headline review, and that is the very popular franchise film of Scream 2. Hello? Hello, Sydney. Remember me? What do you want? It's time, girlfriend. Don't you know history repeats itself? <laughs> night, two college students were brutally murdered. Police are everywhere. The girl was stabbed seven times. Ouch. Hi, Gail Weathers, author of The Woodsboro Murders. She's an opportunist. Be kind, she saved our lives. Yeah, I know. I read all about it in the book. I can't wait to see the movie. supposed to do if there is some freaked out psycho they're probably already in your life so you just want to sit here and, and wait to see who drops next the way i see it someone's out to make a sequel so it's our job to observe the rules of the sequel number one the body count is always bigger number two the death scenes are always much more elaborate 
How did we find the killer, Randy? That's what I want to know. Well, let's look at the suspects. I'm not interrupting anything, am I? It's him. He can see us. Do you want to die tonight? Is that the best you can do? Why not set your goals higher, huh? You want to be one of the big boys? Manson? Bundy? OJ? Showgirls. Screen 2 is once again directed by the master himself, Wes Craven. It's the second installment in the very popular Scream franchise that is now up to five theatrical released films. There's two films in production, apparently. Big controversy is that Nev Campbell is not reprising her, her role as Sidney Prescott in Scream 6. But she's been through five um, movies. What more do you want this woman to go through? But we're not here to talk about Scream 6 or 7 or whatever other installments they have planned. We're talking about Scream 2. A really great sequel here, especially after the rewatch here. I really, kind of really enjoyed it. Originally, my review, my rating on the website was 2.5 stars. I've since updated that. I've watched this movie a week ago, and it is still amazing as ever. Let's see who's in this movie and talk about it real quick. It is written by Kevin Williamson. It's based off his characters. That's the only thing it says on IMDb. It's kind of weird. I thought somebody else would have helped wrote it, but Kevin Williamson is the writer and has a really all-star cast. It, if you look through the names and watch the film, there's so many people that pop up This it's in this film. It's ridiculous. Obviously, our big rep- uh, returning characters are Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, David Arquette, Jamie Kennedy, and Liev Schreiber also reprises his role as Cotton Weary in this one. And we see some really big names popping up, specifically with one of our first big actors in the very first sequence at a movie theater for the premiere of Stab. We have Jada Pickett-Smith and Omar Epps shows up here. Really cool. It kind of does the uh, Drew Barrymore thing from the first film, which I really liked, kind of the homages it does pay to the, the, the sequels and other horror films of course but other actors do pop up here and we have joshua jackson we have sarah michelle geller we have jerry o'connell and laurie metcalf and timothy oliphant among other um, actors and people here i picked up i believe this is one of the sisters from a tv show rest of development was in there i can't remember her name off the top of my head so many people recognizable faces mind you that pop up in the screams the scream too here Loved it. Really great uh, seeing that. I think that made my enjoyment of the movie even better than it already was. I, again, I watched Scream, the franchise itself, pretty regularly. I, I really liked the movie. I watched the first one the most. And I, we've actually, after watching Scream 2, we went back and watched Scream 3 and Scream 4. I think we're going to watch Scream 5 again, too, because I want to see where it falls in my 2002 list. Um, but really fun rewatch. And Scream 2 got better on this watch for some reason. And I don't think that it's because I didn't like it before. I just really, it really connected with me a lot more. And I just really enjoyed kind of the, the slow build of it. There were some kills at the beginning, of course, and through the runtime. And I think that the third, first 30 minutes of the film do kind of take its time getting you back familiar with these characters, seeing what the characters have been. 
in the in storyline, I guess it takes place two years after the events of the the killings in Woodboro, Woodboro. So we need to see where these characters have been. They have had trauma, so we need to reconnect with them and see the new friends that City Prescott has been hanging out with. I gave you a pretty good rundown of what you should expect going into this movie, but the synopsis on IMDb does say. Two years after the first series of murders, as Sydney acclimates to college life, someone donning, donning the ghost face costume begins a new string of killings. The biggest thing I really loved about this is that it totally plays like something that actually would happen. You open up the sequence with Jada Pickett-Smith and Omar Epps, and they go into a movie called Stab. The opening night premiere of this movie that's called Stabbed, based off the book that Gail Weathers, Courtney Cox's character, has written called The Woodsboro uh, Murders. And it's basically recreating the opening sequence of the first film. And they show you the, the, the film there in the theater. I really like the opening sequence here. Obviously, the iconic one was the Drew Barrymore, but this is just as good. Uh, for me, and it's bigger, grander, grander. It's in front of people that this murder happens, and no one, everybody thinks it's just like a part of the film or this, this kind of the act that's going on in the theater. Really starts off really strong, and gives a good mystery feel about what is happening, who, why did they get killed, what's the connection, and it's all about trying to get Sydney back out uh, and confronting her. Again, making a bigger, better sequel to the first killings of the Woodsboro Killer. So really awesome there. And I think that is just really good setup. And Wes Craven, Kevin Williamson, understands where they want to take the franchise, where they want to take the sequel, and just doing a really great commentary on the horror genre. We do have Randy returning here, Jamie Kennedy, Jamie Kennedy reprising his role as Randy. And he kind of lays down the rules to Dewey character David Arquette's character in the film giving you that carnage candy and having bigger and badder kills and everybody's kind of a suspect in this one as well really liked that those interactions with the the you know the OG characters in the sequel there's something I didn't like about Randy I just feel like he's a little different a little more out there there's definitely that he was kind of flirting with Sid or wanting Sid and I think that he did does some stuff in the film that his character is smarter not to do in the movie, based off of his, uh, his what he has said in the first film. So it was a little nitpick there, because I, I really like the character of Randy from the first movie, but it seems a little different in this go-around. The kills is what we really are watching here, and there are some really fun ones. I think one of the ones that really stand out is there's a Sarah Michelle Geller, who had a really great year in 97 for horror movies she was i know what you did last summer and she was in scream 2 her kill in the sorority house was fun the whole chase down sequence and interactions on the phone pretty awesome stuff and it's just thoroughly entertaining the whodunit mystery of who the killer is and who how is it connected to sydney and having all our characters of sydney and gail weathers and dewey trying to figure out who is trying to kill sydney prescott again it's really fun seeing our characters pop on the screen again with like Gail Weathers when her she first is introduced in this movie. She's she's definitely kind of reaping the rewards of the book sales and trying to be confrontational with how she reports now because she's kind of an investigative journalist. So, but she's also kind of popular. If you have seen 
I'm trying to think of a good comparison that if you've seen the Rob Zombie Halloween movies, you can Dr. Loomis is completely different in Halloween too. He's kind of reaping the rewards of surviving the Mike Myers from the first film and it's a very similar approach. They're definitely are a little more flashier in what they are wearing and such. But Gail Weathers does a really great job in this movie. And I put her in a power rankings as an unsung movie hero. And I definitely will stand by that. She is all about herself in that first film and in the beginning of the second film as well. But she turns a page here because now she's, you know, the killer's after her too. So, of course, that would turn anybody's tune there. Dewey Cox, or not Dewey Cox, wow. Dewey Riley, who's played by David Arquette, he has a really noticeable limp, and they do mention that he had some a nerve damage from the first film. The limp kind of seems over dramatic to me in it, so that it's also kind of like a little nitpick about the character. But David Arquette does a really good job as Dewey once again, and it's it's just a really uh, genuine, you know, honest character that it's hard not to like. And Nev Campbell does a really great job as Sydney. Feels damaged, but also feels like she wants to kind of break through, break free, and doesn't want to have this thing, these killers you know, haunt her for the rest of her life. So she's kind of confrontational about it too, but she's also guarded at the same time. Really awesome. My favorite returning character is Liev Schreiber. One of my favorite parts of the whole movie is uh, him reprising his role as Cotton Weary. The first film, he had this really small role where he was basically accused of killing Sidney's mother, but in this one, obviously, or by the end of the first film, we obviously know that he didn't do it. It was uh, Billy Loomis and Stu who did it in the first film. In this one, we see Cotton Weary kind of want his notoriety, his 15 minutes of fame, if you will, and wants to have a sit-down interview with Sidney. That's his whole goal and premise here. But he comes across like really kind of intense and really kind of amazing. Lip Schreiber does a really great job as Cotton Weary. He really stood out to me. I really just loved the performance here by him. One of my favorites of the entire film was seeing the intensity that he was able to bring, but also trying to like, he did what did wasn't trying to do anything or hurt anybody, but he's also kind of a suspect in here too. Just an all around trying to, a guy kind of going into business for himself, but just really, uh, amazing performance i can't really put into any any better words honestly but it's just one of the things you kind of have to watch to and to see it uh the big twist and reveal of who the killer is really awesome i'm not going to spoil it here but it it's really good i i don't i kind of forgot who the killer was and my wife was guessing who it was as well and we were both wrong we we kind of forgot who it was and it plays it really well and when it is revealed who the killer is it's like oh how come i didn't think of that that it's kind of brilliant and I think that's what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to be a big shocking reveal that plays it really well. And I got to give the movie prompts for for that. It definitely knows what it is. It's a sequel trying to do a commentary on uh, horror sequels. And it's a bigger, badder film that has some really cool kills and really good uh, some good, good set pieces here too and really good characters. It's a very entertaining film that I really do just admire. I, I cannot wait to rewatch the franchise again because it just never gets old to me. The third one maybe is a little tired, and I, I don't really care for it as much, but it is a rejuvenated franchise. Scream 4 is really solid. Really love that movie. And the new latest Scream was a lot of fun, too. Uh, but anyway, let's go into the budget, how much this movie was made for, when did it come out, how much did it make. That's the questions we want to know. As I'm looking on IMDb, the biggest, craziest thing, that it, it did come out on December 12th, 1997. Would not suspect a December release here. Nothing says the holidays like uh, anonymous phone calls with uh, 
hello, Sydney, I'm going to kill you now. Um, but anyway, I guess that's what they were doing, going for. So uh, the budget for this movie was $24 million. And the worldwide gross that it made was $172 million, So almost $173. A lot of money, uh, and rightfully so. It's a really good movie. A lot of people went to see it. Just a kind of a weird October release there. Uh, it did get nominated for some awards. Uh, no Oscars, no Golden Globes, no BAFTAs, nothing like that. It did get, we had to talk horror film. We had got to go over the Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films. I had three nominations for there. All nominated um, for these things. No wins at this Horror Film Awards. Best Horror Film I got nominated for. Best Actress for Nev Campbell. And Best Supporting Actress for Courtney Cox. All nominated. But the Blockbuster Entertainment Awards. This is very interesting. I love Blockbuster. Miss me some Blockbuster. It has five nominations here. And has four wins. Or no, three wins out of five nominations. It won for Favorite Actress. Uh, for Nev Campbell, favorite actor for David Arquette, favorite supporting actor for Jamie Kennedy. Uh, nominations for favorite actress for Courtney Cox and favorite supporting actress in Jada Pickett Smith as well. Really cool to see the five big familiar faces in here, uh, you know, getting some nominations, getting some wins. I would love to see Lip, Lip Schreiber show up here for Cotton Weary. Love that performance. And Scream. It's a really great uh, franchise, and this sequel is really great. I, I guess I will just tell you my ranking here, because I think Scream 3 has 1999-ish, so I, it's going to be a little bit before we get to that film. Overall, my ranking of the franchise goes Scream 1, then Scream 2, then Scream 4, Scream, which is the 2022 version, and Scream 3 would be my least favorite, but it's still a really solid, entertaining watch. The whole franchise is really good, so if you haven't really dug, dug deep, looking at you, Todd, Go check out Scream. It's really fun. Now, we're going to move on to a film directed by Guillermo del Toro, an iconic director. We're going to talk about his film, Mimic. The Strickler's disease came to New York like a thief in the night. It was deadly, threatening to steal an entire generation of our children from before our eyes. Since it has proven to be virtually immune to chemical control, we had to find a new avenue of attack. We recombined DNA to create a biological counteragent. We call it the Judas Breed. Now, the cure they created has taken on a life of its own. So you think your little Frankenstein's got the better of you? They all died in the lab. But you let them out. Evolution is a way of keeping things alive. Sometimes an insect will evolve to mimic its predator. A fly can look like a spider. A caterpillar can look like a snake. They are breeding. Whatever it becomes, it destroys. Peter, these are lungs. Yesterday, it became human. If that thing has been around, how come nobody's ever seen it? I think we have. You see the size of that thing? We changed its DNA. Turn Mira Sorvino, Jeremy Northam, Josh Brolin, Charles Dutton, Giancarlo Giannini, F. Murray Abraham, Mimic. Mimic is directed by Guillermo del Toro, and the writers of Mimic are Donald A. Wilhelm, who wrote the short story that, of Mimic, 
And we also see the screenplay written by Matthew Robbins and Guillermo del Toro. And our actors for the film are Mira Sorvino, Jeremy Northam, Alexander Goodwin, and a young Josh Brolin appears in this film as well. And I've never seen this movie, and so when I was researching it, I, I definitely wanted to find a movie, kind of my criteria for these, these things, is something that is memorable, uh, got some decent reviews, maybe somebody I recognized in the cast, so that's one reason why I picked this one, because Josh Brolin and Mira Sherbino, but also Del Toro as the director. I had to watch his films, and definitely, it's a fun, entertaining watch. But if you haven't seen this movie... The synopsis here on IMDb says, Three years ago, entomologist Dr. Susan Tyler genetically created an insect to kill cockroaches carrying a, uh, a disease. Now the insects are out to destroy their own predator, mankind. So it starts off with a pandemic. <laughs> and I couldn't help but say, wow, that uh, those are some... Uh, eerie images, especially when it's uh, seeing kids with respirators and uh, white sheaves and quarantine and all that kind of stuff when it first uh, starts off. Really uh, haunting imagery. I think Del Toro does a really good job with that. He's kind of known for that, rather. You know, starts off after, like, it starts off this really cool opening and it has a little parts of downtime there. But once they slowly reveal what this mystery is, and there's something living underground, there's something mutated of this genetically engineered, you know, creatures it really the movie really starts and gets going one thing that i when i was wanting to watch this movie i went to amazon because i don't think it's streaming anywhere but the only thing they had they had two different versions of mimic on amazon to rent and i went to the first one and that's the theatrical release of 145 minutes however that is unable to rent. You can only rent the director's cut, so I'm not sure exactly if it's the better version or if it's the version people prefer the theatrical version. I don't know, but I watched the director's cut and it had 12 extra minutes. So Mimic, the director's cut, pretty solid movie. I kind of really enjoyed it. And the reasons why I enjoyed it was that there was a really good uh, set of tone set by Guillermo del Toro. I'm kind of a fan of a lot of his movies, even the films that I don't really care for. Like The Shape of Water was a really good one, and I, I like that he got the Oscar win. Do I think it's a Best Picture, should be a Best Picture winner, or should he get an Oscar for that? It's not, that's not really my place to say, but I don't think that's something that would be talked about for ever is one of the best, best things that he's going to be known for, the, one of the best movies Still a really cool little creature feature there, a romantic, romantic creature feature, rather. And I think that if we come to expect anything from Del Toro, he does have a way with creature features, and that's exactly what Mimic is. It's a creature feature that has some really cool kind of elements there, and he has a way with, um, again, we talked about practical effects last week, and these creatures, when they do the close-up shots of what they are and how their bodies work, they're really well, really well done big criticism with those creatures however is that they also fly i guess they are kind of cockroaches kind of a, a genetic cockroach so they do fly and that's where the cgi comes into play and that is rather bad and it's very noticeable when it goes from cgi to practical to the back to cgi and the actors don't know exactly where to look it feels like it does take you out of it a little bit 
but it is still a rather entertaining watch because even my wife who wasn't necessarily into it right away she became more invested into it because there were some really entertaining kills and the back half of the film is really solid it takes a little bit to get going and set it, everything up but over, it becomes a really cool creature feature that I kind of really I really dug and I really just was entertained by I was thoroughly entertained by creature features and I obviously I, I, I mentioned it before with what movie was that oh yeah cat people I, I already forgot about that movie I wanted it to be more I liked creature features I want to see kind of killer leopards I got some killer bugs in this one and it was entertaining they were gross looking very dirty uh, slimy environment and it, pay, it pays off uh, some other really positives I really liked about the movie is that I liked seeing a young Josh Brolin he's kind of an investigator that works with the like the FBI that kind of has some ties to the CDC I guess as well he is he's just doing his thing has some charisma he's a good looking guy and really cool to see a young Josh Brolin here I haven't seen a whole lot of his movies when he's younger obviously stand stand by me there but it's just really cool to see him uh, back on kind of doing a big prominent role like this and I did that same thing I always do I told myself not to do it's not Stand By Me. It's from the Goonies. He, he's known from the Goonies. That was his first movie. I get the Goonies and Stand By Me mixed up all the time for whatever reason. I just get the actors backwards. Anyway, it's good to see Josh Brolin. <laughs> I'm, I'm moving on from Josh Brolin. Anyway, uh, things I also really liked about it. It's kind of irrelevant, the opening of the CDC. and They're investigating these this disease here. And it has really creepy environments, uh, disease-ridden, looking really kind of nasty and kind of gets you kind of more on the edge of your seat. It's really kind of dark and grimy and dirty. It feels like what's happening is actually really taking place there. It feels really self-contained and really small, so having something like on the verge of a pandemic type of stuff kind of makes it a little bit more relevant. Obviously, we're talking about killer bugs here. We're not talking about like a virus or anything like that, but I guess it could go that way. Uh, so there's some things I really didn't like about it. I mentioned the CGI, and I think that does take it out of it. The There's a couple characters I didn't really care for. There's this little boy that um, lived across the street from the, where this big and the movie means this warehouse the movie really does take place it takes place in this warehouse and also it leads to an like underground tunnel in new york uh where the subway cars are but there's a boy that lives across the street from here that he gets us like the spotlight and it becomes like kind of a we need to save this little kid in here too so they add something an extra layer i wish they could they could have taken that kid out of it a little bit more and just kind of fleshed out some of the more of the stories and did something a little differently so i didn't really care for that that one character story arc and story segment because i feel like they just kind of felt added on and i would like to see like our heroes people trying to go after these bugs do something a little different i, I just didn't care for me it wasn't really great it wasn't really a good child performance there and all, another character an actor i didn't really care for at all i thought he was actually pretty bad was jeremy northam as dr peter man he's a main character and it's looks like he's being on B movie. It's this doesn't feel like it's a big del Toro film like straight to the theaters like and you're seeing this really bad performance here. I think everybody else is believable. There's just parts in this movie that he is just kind of really bad. It takes me out of the the scene when he's making a weird campy face and uh, just and I think that's part part of the problem is cuz some of the stuff he does is interacting with CGI. So the CGI incorporated with his performance to, takes you out of it just for me at least took me out of it it's a pretty solid movie overall though i'm not going to knock it for things that are 
dated or kind of bad based off the how dated the, the, the special effects are. It's, just, it's an entertaining movie that Del Toro did, and he has a way with doing those creature features that I thoroughly just enjoy. I'm a big Hellboy 2 supporter, and he, he did the Hellboy franchise. I'm looking forward to watching Kronos next year, one of his really good movie that he is really, like, put him on the map. That's going to be a first-time watch, like the first first-time watch of uh, next year. So I, I really love Del Toro movies, and I just I wanted to maybe like it even more but there's just some stuff that i can't really go above a three stars i it's, it's super entertaining it's a fun creature feature that has a really powerful like fun third act and it just it takes a little bit to get there a little build up and trying to unravel the mystery and i want to know what the theatrical cut is I don't, i'm not saying that i would watch the theatrical cut i kind of like the director's cut i don't think there's anything seen out of place for it i just I there's this one character that i didn't care for anyway let's go to the final Thing that we do for this and that is, the movie came out on August 22nd 1997 and the, the budget for the movie was 30 million dollars and the worldwide gross 25.5 million dollars it lost money crazy um to think about that I don't know what how the timeline was when did Titanic come out that could that be something that we could could we blame it on Titanic let's take a look here I, I I'm going off on a little binge i usually don't do this but I, i'm kind of interested why certain why did it not make money i kind of kind of curious now so titanic let's see here december 19th no it went up against scream 2 i just talked wow that's scream 2 did still well <laughs> considering titanic anyway conspiracy uh theory uh you know not accurate i guess that's not um anyway I might cut that. I might not. Anyway, <laughs> uh, let's go to see our awards here. It's weird that that movie didn't make a lot of money. It would seem like it'd be a movie that would get some good like August money, but didn't even make the budget back. That's kind of a bummer for them. So the awards it got nominated for, we do have our uh, science fiction, fantasy, and horror awards. It did win for makeup, which it does have really good makeup in there, especially on those practical like practical makeup on these creatures. There, so that that's really good, really well deserved. There, it was nominated for best horror film, best actress for Mira Mira Sorvino, best performance by a younger actor Alexander Goodwin. I do not agree with that. And best writer Del Toro and Matthew Robbins. Interesting that I got a writer there, Alexander Goodwin. Sorry, bud. I it's a bummer. Okay, I'm not gonna say anything else on that. Uh, but that's Mimic there. It's a three-star film. It's an entertaining creature feature. It's weird that the director's cut is the only one that's uh, available to rent. Kind of interesting there. Would definitely be interested to watch it. The poster, I'm not a big fan of the poster here on IMDb. The director's cut poster is a lot better. I'll just say that. But that's not something we're rating on. All right, let's go to our final review. The very B-rated movie, Wishmaster. For centuries, he has remained hidden, watching, waiting. And now, he is coming. He knows your secret hopes. He sees your private dreams. And he can grant your every desire. Well, I'm not a <laughs> greedy man. How about a million dollars? 
I remember a certain potentate whose last party was talked about for centuries. God, how I'd love to host a party like that. I wish to be beautiful forever. Even if it kills you. As you wish. Was it worth it? Would you like to escape? Yeah. No! Beg for your life. Help me! Pray for your soul. But whatever you do... Ready to play? Don't make a wish. <laughs> wish Master. Careful what you wish for. Wishmaster is directed by Robert Kurtzman and it's written by Peter Atkins and has a cast starring Tammy Lauren, Andrew Diviff, Agnes Skirm, Robert England, Tony Todd, and Richard Azad. Some big name horror actors there with uh, Ag Agnes Skirm from Phantasm, Robert England from Nightmare on Elm Street, Tony Todd from Candyman. Notable people there. Andrew Diviff also played in Lost, so it's really kind of cool to see him in an actual movie. He also was in Air Force One. Got to throw that out there whenever that happens. Wishmaster is a very B movie. I can tell you that. It, I, I would be surprised if this went to theater, to be honest with you. It it's it's nineties. It's kind of cheesy. You know that going into it. If you are interested in watching it, it is entertaining as hell, though. Uh, I came across this movie a while back, about like five years ago. There was a YouTube review, a YouTuber called Decker Shadow. He kind of puts a bunch of reviews of not mainstream horror films, but kind of movies that are under the radar, that are really campy, really cheesy, kind of bad at times. But he gives them the limelight there, and I give him full respect for it. He made a Wishmaster review five years ago that's almost 24 minutes mad props there it's thoroughly entertaining his review he, he does a really great job breaking scene by scene he goes through the whole entire movie talking about all the plots how ridiculous it may or may not be and talks about the kills uh, of them as well a thoroughly entertaining youtube channel that i would definitely be supporting and make sure you guys check out their his review in the show notes because i think if, if you're not interested in watching the movie his review alone is worth your time it's really entertaining there uh, so Wishmaster, if you haven't heard of this movie, the synopsis on IMDb and also the genres are like fantasy horror. So this is very interesting. It's a de demonic, de uh, sorry, a demonic jinn attempts to grant his owner three wishes, which will allow him to summon his brethren to Earth. So it's a genie movie. And everything you thought you knew about genies is out the window because those are just fairy tales. And they say this line, it's just fairy tales. They're actually very evil creatures and they're demonic. They just want to take over and they just grant you these wishes and they twist your words. And that's exactly what you're getting into and that's what you're watching this movie for. It's, the acting's not great. The sets aren't great. The score is really kind of disturbing. Not disturbing in a good way. It's 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 out of place, I feel like. It feels like it's kind of got YouTube-like soundtracks. It, it kind of feels like that. However, there is a certain charm about this movie. And that charm, I say that in kind of <laughs> really loosely. But it's entertaining to see how they go from 
the, the whole plot here. And the people who do make these wishes to this guy and seeing those very campy. And again, I, I said this a lot. There are some really good effects. And I think that's what horror films do well. They have to. That's the, the kills are what their bread and butter is. And there are some really good jobs with the makeup department here. There's some good practicalness with the effects. There are some CGI stuff, but that's 97 there. And it's, again, it doesn't have a huge budget, I would imagine. I would be really surprised if this movie even made it to theater. Probably so straight to a DVD or VHS at this point um, film. But there's something about it. I think Andrew Diboff as the the Jin does a really good job. He has that maniacal smile. That he's a, a decent looking guy. That has that way of perception and kind of has the personality to play this character. Kind of creepy, very creepy uh, character here. Alexander Am um, Amberson is the character that. Tammy Lauren plays, and she does fine for the role that she's given. Uh, they, she's definitely the main character. Some other characters that she's connected to as well. Alexander's character is trying to solve the mystery of the Jin and trying to figure out exactly how to outmaneuver them and outplay them. Uh, she's a person that is. She has. She inspects jewels at this auction house. That's what her her job is. But she also coaches uh, youth. Uh, basketball, a uh, girls' youth basketball, and so she uses a lot. Of, there's a coaching montage where she talks about stillness and having the stillness to score the goals, and that kind of plays into how she defeats the Jin at the end of the movie. It's not a great. It's not like a Hoosiers moment for a basketball coach. It's it's kind of silly. I never heard anybody say stillness is how you're going to win the basketball game. But anyway, the uh, the unraveling of the the kill. Um, the unraveling of the kind of the mystery of the Jin is entertaining, and it kind of makes me want to watch the uh, the sequels to them. Apparently, they made four different Wishmaster movies. Alexander Divoff has been in two of those movies, and kind of entertained. I was entertained enough to buy it that I would be curious enough to watch the sequels of Wishmaster. Uh, it, the bad stuff is pretty bad. I don't think it's anything um, spectacular. There are some. Uh, story stuff that doesn't make sense there's characters making bad choices but it's inter has that campiness and that cheese factor to it that makes it thoroughly entertaining i do like how they uh, these horror movies sometimes do bring in actors who are known for horror movies and you get robert england shows up and you got um tony todd showing up here and even though i haven't seen fan um phantasm agnes scrum shows up it's really cool. Really, I give the movie props that they were able to pull get these actors in here just to, for these little smaller roles. They're not just to say, "Hey, I, I was in another horror movie" type of thing. It's really cool to get those uh, there. Uh, the makeup work is really good. It's kind of disgusting at sometimes that they were, what they were able to pull off. It's uh, very entertaining in that aspect. Uh, but anyway, let's go into the budget. See how much movie, how much money this was, this made here. Let's see here. Uh, it came out on September 19th, 1997. The budget was $5 million and did go to theaters, ladies and gentlemen. It had made 15, almost, almost, it's made $15.7 million in the theater. That's a lot more money than I thought it was going to make. But a $5 million budget made $15.7 million in the uh, box office. That could be a win. No wonder they made some, some other sequels there. I wonder if those ones made anything or if more than that, more than uh, 16. Who knows? Uh, 
Maybe that's a conversation for a different day. Did it get any awards, love, from anything? It did get... They got three nominations, surprisingly. Let's take a look. Yep, there we go. Academy of Science Fiction got one nomination. Oh, that, that proves it right there. Best Home Video Release nominee. Yeah, so it, it got... It was a movie straight to uh, DVD, but it got released in theaters for a little bit, I guess, too. Was also na named for the uh, Fangoria Chainsaw Awards for Best Actor for Andrew Divoff, and it also I never heard of this one. Yeah, International Film Festival it got nominated for Best Film. So, uh, very interesting nominee nominations there. Uh, nothing crazy to write home on. It's just a thoroughly entertaining cheese movie. You kind of have to know what you're getting into with this, and you're pretty much just watching it for some ridiculous kills and wishes and seeing how he twists your words. Entertaining enough, uh, but definitely check out the, the YouTube review. Uh, I think you'll be thoroughly entertained by that as well. Well, that was our podcast for today, guys. 1997 horror films. Really entertaining films this week. I kind of liked what I picked. Uh, really wanting to watch them again. I, I was thoroughly horror horror entertained. So that's the best part about the, this month here. Uh, next week's going to be really fun. Uh, next week is going to be really fun. All first time watches. I've never seen any film next week. And we're going to go to 1987. We will have a special guest. Todd will appear for his first uh, review in this month with me. And we're reviewing Angel Heart. It's a film that he picked out that he really liked that I've never seen before from 1987. And the headline review for next week's Evil Dead 2. And I also found another film that I've been meaning to watch. Now I have an opportunity to. And that's called The Gate. Evil Dead. The Gate. Angel Heart. Next week on the podcast. So make sure you guys check out the show notes. Make sure you guys are watching the films that we're talking about in the episode. And uh, go watch some horror films. Really good stuff out there. And be horror entertained. Until next time. Stay spooky. Stay <laughs> spooky.